Blog Talk Radio. Once I drifted out in sin, had no hope nor joy within, and my soul was burdened down with pride. Then my Savior came along, and He showed me I was wrong, and He placed me on the winning side. Well, I'm on the winning side, yes, I'm on the winning side, out in sin no more will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight. For the cause of truth and right, praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. I will never have a fear, for my Lord is ever near, and in Him so often I confide. Well, He's the keeper of my soul, since I gave. And he placed me on the winning side. Well, I'm I'm on on the winning side. side. Yes, I'm on the winning winning side. side. Out in sin, no more will I abide. No more in sin abide. I've been listed in the fight. For the cause cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. Welcome back to A Voice in the Wilderness. Tonight's show is about the false flag in Syria and why Trump authorized the missile strike. And um, uh, it's pretty easy to see that the chemical attack was a false flag, that it was obviously not done by Assad. And... uh, Anybody with half a brain can tell that this was a false flag because the rescue workers that rescued the victims weren't even wearing hazmat suits or gloves, which would have killed them if they would have got any amount of sarin gas on them. So this is just absolutely bogus. And tonight we have um, my good friend who's going to be on the show, and uh, he's going to talk to us about this subject. How's it going, Matt? You're on the show. Hi, good evening to you. Good evening, man. Uh, Really glad you made it on the show. Um, So what do you think about this this situation here? Well, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I do believe it is a false flag scenario. Um, Even Ron Paul uh, has started using this terminology. I did get to see part of uh, the clip of one of his shows with regards to this incident. Um, it, to me, it just seems like a political maneuvering. Um, whatever is going on with Trump, as far as his supporters, as far as the media is concerned, um, it seems like they all rallied, jumped on a bandwagon as soon as he starts attacking and doing these very dangerous attacks. 
in Syria that um, he tweeted that we shouldn't even be involved in, in Syria in the past. So um, I think that there's the obvious logical conclusion is that Assad did not um, instigate these, this chemical warfare attack. It just wouldn't make any sense politically or logically for him to do that. And it just looks like somebody's trying to frame him to push the narrative that, hey, um, we need to get involved in Syria. And um, honestly, personally, I pray for America, our safety with regards to what's going on and what is Russia thinking of all this. Yeah, and um, it's pretty clear to see that Russia isn't thrilled with this. Um, apparently, we told Russia to um, move their their um, their military um, helicopters and special forces that were on this airbase in Syria just a few hours before the strike. And for some reason, they didn't move everything out of there in time. And the strike landed right next to the Russians, but surprisingly uh, didn't hit any of them. Um, it killed a few uh, Syrian soldiers. And uh, the, the other weird thing is that it didn't um, destroy their uh, the uh, runway at this air base. But uh, Russia is not happy. Uh, they moved in um, one of their Navy ships and... Uh, it's it's right there by our two um, uh, aircraft carriers, uh, just waiting for uh, the for something else to happen to uh, strike back. Um, yeah, it's um, so it's it's a tedious situation. Um, uh, teetering, I guess, is the word. The report that I heard from the Ox Jones show um, as to the reason why the runways were not destroyed or specifically why it was a seemingly minimalist attack, um, he was saying that basically he Trump had certain number of options on his table, and the one that he took was the least invasive, the least destructive that was presented to him. Now, that's according to what Alex Jones was saying. I think a lot of people that supported Trump initially because of what's going on with this war, which was looking like it's turning into a war – are scratching their heads and definitely taking a step back and just saying, whoa, what's going on? You know, what's the plan here? And he said in his campaign, he's going to keep his enemy guessing. So he's not going to go to the American people and say, hey, guys, we're going to strike here at this time. Uh, oh, and by the way, we know the enemy's listening to our broadcast, so they know that we're also attacking there. So he said things like this, and uh, I honestly am not decided either way whether I fully trust Trump, but in any event, I definitely think that we need to pray for our nation, pray for our president, pray for the people in Syria, because they're obviously hurting and in pain from years of war, and it's something that the Obama administration and that these, you know, I guess globalists or the deep state has planned for that country for a long time, ever since 9-11 initially happened, so... You just got to keep these things in mind. I'm not 100% one way or the other. I'm at a wait and see kind of point. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm at the same point. I'm just waiting and and uh, seeing what Trump's going to do next. Um, you know, there's a few possibilities. Um, either he is going along to get along, 
um, just on this one thing in order to take some pressure off of himself from the establishment to then later on turn back around and stop doing this and somehow playing a complicated uh, four-dimensional chess game, or he um, he was uh, bad all along and was just uh, pretending to to uh, be anti-establishment, um, or he, um, as Rick Wiles was talking about, he could have possibly signed a secret deal with uh, Russia and Israel to uh, divide up the land of Syria since everybody wants a piece of real estate there. And uh, so he could be playing some type of secret, um, you know, type of uh, agreement with with Russia behind and Israel. Scenes. Behind right, the scenes, like yeah. Um, right, secret negotiations. I, I did get that, that, uh, that show you recommended I watch. I have not gotten all the way through it. Um, I've been working on my YouTube channel. Uh, just we were at the Watchmen conference this uh, weekend last, and just got inspired. You know, um, you know the grandson of Dimitri Dudeman, um Mike Baldua, is that his name? Yeah, Mike Baldia. Okay, my, yeah, Mike Baldia. We're sitting there talking with him, and uh, he just says, "Hey guys, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just get it out there. Just do something." And I was like, "Okay, I don't have a perfect answer." So that weekend, and I I go by Indigo Seven. Um, it was awesome to meet meet you, Dakota, on this this weekend pass. But I go by Indigo Seven, like I N D I G O, and then the number seven, and that's the name of my YouTube channel that I'm trying to get going. Um, but I, that's what I've been working on. So sadly, I haven't been 100% on spot with all my uh, news investigation that I normally am because I've been producing videos and trying to get, uh, you know, the basic gospel, you know, on a YouTube video so that I can present that to people. So I've been working on that most of the weekend. So come check it out, guys, if you ever um, are on YouTube and you just want to hear another Christian perspective. That's but awesome. uh, as far as Rick uh, Wiles. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, congratulations on starting your own YouTube channel. Um, uh, it looks really good so far. And, uh, yeah, I'm just just really glad you're doing that. And like you said, um, talking to Michael Boldia was really, really fun, really awesome. Uh, he was a great guy. And that's the thing about these uh, these different people that uh, that you listen to online that you get to meet at some of these conferences you go to, people like Derek Gilbert, Paul Bagley, um, Steve Quayle, of course I haven't met him yet, but all of these people, um, at least that I've met, or even some people I haven't met, like Hagman and Hagman, that I know other people have met, you know, we're all just down-to-earth people. We're not doing this to try to be celebrities or to try to feel like we're really important. We're just all people that love Jesus, that are trying to serve him, trying to wake people up. And it's just really cool to be a part of this uh, community of uh, truth and of uh, Jesus. You know, it's just... It's, Amen. Uh, it's an end times movement i guess you would call it but uh yeah it's just so well, cool the, meeting these one people. last great awakening 
Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, um, everyone's going to have their own opinions on different topics here and there, but I think the whole point is, and this was a huge theme of the Watchman Conference from last week, is, okay, you see things from a certain perspective. I might see things from a different perspective, but we're still rallying to Christ. We're still seeking to do God's will. And we all see through a, gar- uh, a glass darkly. We don't see the full picture. We don't see with 2020 vision when it comes to spiritual things. And we're all just trying to read and understand the Word of God with as much honesty and integrity as we can. Um, but to get back to your point um, about um, how they're dividing Israel and all that for the real estate, I really think that we are very close to the beginning of the final seven years. Um, God's given me different dreams, different visions. Um, I would say my, quote, awakening process really hit the ground running maybe two years ago, and I was just voraciously looking through videos and trying to find as much as I could. I stumbled across Alex Jones. I stumbled across people like Luke Radowski, who's more of an anarchist, uh, not necessarily Christian, but a truth seeker as far as the news and official what's going on. Um, And it's just important to not get lost in the fog um, but to really just keep the main focus, the main focus, and to try to have peace with those that might have different perspectives and different views, because we're all in this together. None of us want the mark of the beast, but hitting around and coming back to it, I think that there's going to be a peace agreement signed somewhere soon, maybe even this September. I think that would align with the whole you know, revelation, woman with 12 stars about her head, constellation alignment. Um, and if that begins the final seven years, then we're looking at the rise of the Antichrist. We're looking at the mark of the beast. I was just commenting on a YouTube video about the mark of the beast. Um, that, that interview that I was able to get uh, with Lisa Haven, um, she put out a video, and I was able to compliment on that uh, or comment on that, rather. And uh, I just think all the signs are coming together. Everything's converging. We are so close to the final seven, you know, Daniel's 70th week that it, you can taste it, you can feel it in the air. It's just, it's so palpable that there's so many things pointing to, hey, wake up, church, get the gospel out, preach the gospel, get your life right, um, and just take a step for righteousness. You know, go forward with whatever it is that God told you to do that you've been there, I'll do it later. Well, get on the get on the bandwagon and do something. Whatever it is that God's already told you to do, because he's not going to be silent, just do it. Just get involved somehow. Amen, amen. We all need to be engaged. Um, you know, and that reminds me of uh, a couple of things that I learned at the conference. Um, one is is that uh, uh, we're all kings and priests, um, and uh, we all have a calling. Even though everybody might not be um, in a specific ministry per se, we we all have a, a duty to preach the gospel, no matter you know what you do for a living, no matter who you are, where you live. If you're a Christian, you need to be uh, sharing your faith. You need to be serving the Lord. You need to be a living uh, testimony for Him. And uh, also another thing is, is that uh, in the days we're going into, it's so important to be um, living a holy life and... Uh, being right with God, because 
the Bible says that if you have unconfessed, unrepentant, open sin in your life, that your sins will will keep the Lord from hearing your prayers. Um, I'm not saying you have to be perfect for God to hear your prayers, but unrepentant sin. And so if you're not right with God, if you're totally living in sin, then it doesn't matter if you have the biggest um, stockpile of, of uh, food going into the tribulation. Um, you won't be able to have God's protection um, and his guidance when times get tough. And you will cry out to God and he won't hear you. And that's what uh, Michael Buldia was talking about. He was talking about how people have, um, have bought into this lie that God is just love and that he doesn't have any other attributes. And so they don't truly know who God is. They're, so they're, they're worshiping this false idea of God, which is basically just an idol. And so they don't truly know the Lord. And so then uh, when times get tough, they will cry out to God, and God will not hear them because they don't truly know him. And so that's why repentance is so important. That's why actually knowing the true word of God is so important. And uh, also um, uh, just being spiritually prepared, being right with God. That's that's really what's important. Well, and I have a verse that I want to throw in there if I could real quick. James chapter 5, verse 16 Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's not just about praying and praying hard. Uh, you know, like Dragon Ball Z, you just try hard enough and you'll get through. It's based on your willingness to be obedient to God and the way that you live your life as a faith. The hymn of praise as a worship to the Lord. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So that that goes along with what you were saying. It's not just about um, you know we have to live right. Amen. Amen. That is so true. And uh, another thing that I wanted to um, cover in this show is uh, the theme of cannibalism has been rising up and uh, you know I don't want to um, uh, talk about uh, Steve Quayle too much um, but uh, you know he really is one of the best watchmen out there in my opinion and um, <clears throat> he's been talking about how the Lord gave him uh, told him that when you see uh, cannibalism in the headlines around the world that that means that the great tribulation is near and we're seeing that now we're seeing um, movies come out about it uh, the movie called raw just came out a while ago you have a Netflix TV series called the Santa Clarita diet and uh, this is all to try to make it seem normal it's just to break that taboo and to brainwash people into thinking that it's all right. And now you see the New York Times has been writing um, several articles about it just this year. Uh, just pull up a Google search, and you can see all these different 
um, articles that they've been writing about cannibalism right here um, from January 9th, 2017. They have an article called uh, No Key Ante But Plenty to Chew On. And then January 19th of this year, they have an article, another article about cannibalism. And then another one from uh, just four days ago where they go into um, talking about how many calories you can get from eating a person. Um, it says uh, one person contains more than 125,000 calories. I mean, it's like they're it's like they're educating people on how to do it, so that they're prepared to go and and uh, eat somebody in their family or their neighbor when uh, when the food supply runs out and they don't have anything to eat. It's just totally demonic. It's totally satanic. And, and it's uh, a soft sell. I, yeah, I have exactly. a bizarre story if I could share it real quick. Go for it. Yeah, they, um, I has, there's a guy at my work who you, you just hear random conversations. Um, but he was specifically asking me about eating the placenta of his wife. And I, just to me at the time, it's just kind of like, what? Where did this conversation even come from? And, you know, on the topic of cannibalism, I'm not sure what I, – I didn't really have a response for him at that time, but this would be my response if, uh, if you know, if that conversation came up again, is basically the idea of cannibalism. It's, it's, uh, it's being pushed in so many different ways. I don't even know where he might have heard that from. But just a bizarre, just a bizarre connection there, and I and I'm, uh, I'm, a hard sell on seed quail. Initially, I did not know what to expect when I first heard that that guy speaking, but uh, I looked up some of the stuff he was talking about with Operation Paperclip, and uh, he was highly recommended by other people that I listened to. Alex Jones being one of them, um, and just you know, you you don't get all your information from one source. You know, the here's the thing that I always try to remind people of is this, there's that news article, 90% of all media is controlled by six corporations. And when you look at that, you basically see a monopoly. And all these people like Rupert Murdoch and the other heads of these agencies, they collude together. And, you know, uh, you've got Disney and you've got Pixar and you've got all these movies that seem to be pushing the Hollywood agenda. And uh, so when I, long story short, you need to find some outlet, some other news source that is from the, the other 10%. So I've got my own little list that I go to that I'm searching for answers and, and trying to use discernment when, when gathering information. Um, but Steve Quayle is one of those guys that uh, I, at this point, I really respect him and I, and I value his information. And on that note, uh, that Empire Beneath the Ice book, I'm, I'm getting into that now. It's It's one of those things like, well, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really heavy. Um, that's why it took me a year to read through it. But uh, that's a, another thing that I wanted to cover real quick is just the revelation that I got from reading that book. And uh, it was confirmed to me um, at the conference last weekend, uh, listening to Russ Dizdar, because... In Steve Quill's book, he um, basically the whole book kind of builds up and explains to this one point, and that point is is that the um, seven-headed beast 
um, in the book of Revelation is uh, there's seven beasts throughout history. Um, I can't remember all seven, but the first one is Egypt. And every single one of those beasts are different empires or kingdoms throughout history that persecuted uh, the Jewish people. So the first one was Egypt. Uh, of course, they persecuted the children of Israel up until the point that God delivered them, and they escaped and uh, went into the Promised Land. And I believe the second one was Assyria, and then the third, Babylon, the fourth, um, Persia, um, and then I, there's one I can't remember. The next one is uh, a lot of those are world Caesar. governments, like. Governments that had conquered the entire earth at, at one time, like Babylon. They exactly. were rulers of the world at that time. Persia, they were rulers of the world. There's also a prophecy about that in, uh, I think it's Daniel 2, where it talks about the head of gold, you know, the chest of silver, and it goes on down the different parts, legs and thighs of brass, and the, it gets down to the uh, iron mingled with clay and the ten toes. And uh, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's a picture of all the major world governments throughout history coming down to the very end where you're going to see the Antichrist come out of, you know, ten horns, you know, the little horn uttering great boasts. And this is also the, you know, as I've heard it explained, this is also the ten toes that the rock, Jesus Christ, comes back to earth and crushes this statue. It blows away like dust in the wind. It's just chaff. And uh, then the return of Jesus Christ. So, I mean, all these prophecies pointing to the return of, of Jesus to this earth. It's just incredible. It is incredible. So um, you have be, uh, you have uh, Nero, who uh, was one of the worst Antichrist figures, and then uh, the seventh beast was um, the Nazi Empire or the Third Reich, which tried to conquer the world. That was uh, Hitler's goal. Um, he wanted to become the Antichrist, and um, uh, in the book, Steve Quayle explains how the spirit of Satan actually uh, possessed Hitler during his reign, and so then you see in the book of Revelation where it it says that uh, the eighth beast uh, was and is and is to come. So the Nazi Empire, they escaped these Nazis, they escaped through uh, Project Paperclip, bringing Nazi scientists to the U.S. to help us uh, get to the moon, uh, if we ever even actually went there, which that's a whole other subject in itself. You know, and, um, and I've got a point on that. This is the conclusion I came to. We had a nuclear bomb, right? You know, we made this, you know, this massive, you know, war-ending uh, weapon, and, and I think that the entire space race was not about getting to the moon per se, whether we did or didn't get to the moon, whether the Earth is flat or round, or none of that is is what I got on this conclusion. But my conclusion is we needed a weapons or a missile system that could deliver this nuclear bomb anywhere in the world. Historically, from what I've read, they have the nuclear bomb a while before they were able to militarily get you know boots on the ground 
close enough to Japan to be able to fly, you know, the B-52 bomber in to be able to drop the nuclear bomb. So that was kind of a, a logistical issue. They had to literally conquer different islands to get closer, build an air base, and then they were able to finally, you know, drop the two bombs. Um, so immediately after World War II is over, you got a bunch of people, government, scrambling to figure out a way to build a rocket so that you can put a nuclear missile on the tip of your rocket, and now you've got military supremacy because you can deliver this nuclear payload anywhere in the world and basically hold everyone else hostage. So, I mean, that was my conclusion. I felt like that's the epiphany I had when I was, you know, watching a bunch of, you know, are there aliens on the moon and did we actually go to the moon? Conclusion is we needed a rocket missile system to deliver our nuclear weapons to give us military superiority uh, over the entire Earth. And uh, and that's kind of what we came to with the Cold War. But take that, you know, to the bank and sit on it or whatever, but that's just kind of the conclusion I came to is that's the direction history kind of pointed us. Hmm, very interesting. Uh, that is very interesting. Um, but finishing my point, um, so the Nazi empire, um, of course, some of the Nazis... Um, were executed at the Nuremberg trials, but many of them escaped to America, as I just said, and also to um, Argentina uh, through the rat lines. And uh, and then, as Steve Quayle points out in his book, and there is very much factual evidence to prove this, that uh, many of the Nazis escaped in German U-boat submarines um, to Antarctica, and of course the Germans had built a or established a settlement there in Ant Antarctica even before World War II called New Schwabia, and uh, so they built these secret bases there, and they have been hiding out there in the U.S. government and in South America all this time up until the present day right now, and. I can't remember the name of the of the man who who was quoted saying this. I'll have to look it up and try to find it um, in a little bit here uh, before the show gets over. But there was a guy who said that um, when World War III begins, that Hitler's last battalion will be unleashed. And so that was the summary of the whole book was that the uh, Fourth Reich will be the resurgence of the Nazi Empire, and that will be the eighth beast um, that, will, that will be the New World Order. And it's also interesting that many world leaders like uh, John Kerry and um, the, uh, the Russian leader of the, the Russian Orthodox Church uh, – have gone down to Antarctica, and it seems as if they go down there to get instruction on what to do. So it appears that that um, that could Buzz be Aldrin as well kind of down the, there. Exactly. So that could be the head of the shadow government of the the New World Order, the Illuminati. And then the other thing is, is that from the conference, Russ Dizdar was saying that these satanic uh, super soldiers and these people that are mind con under mind control um, by the government, they're all waiting for 
the Fourth Reich. They're waiting for the Nazi Empire to come back. They're waiting for a new Fuhrer. So... Yeah, it's just it's just really interesting um, how all the the pieces of the puzzle come together. What what do you think about that, Matt? Well, um, and as far as the eighth beast uh, coming from Germany, I've heard uh, other Bible teachers that uh, I, I would recommend are pretty good on end time eschatology. Um, one of them being uh, End of the Age with Urban Baxter. Uh, he does a great job on a lot of his videos, and that confirms with what I've heard from his teachings as far as Germany, uh, the Fourth Reich, coming back into power. Um, he He's famous for uh, his book that he wrote in 1980s, mid-1980s, that the Berlin Wall is going to come down and that Germany is going to be reunited, and this will, stop, this will launch the, the, the New World Order. And um, I think that the interesting thing um, that he puts together from what I've seen is the four-headed beast is a leopard, and he equates the leopard with Germany, um, famous for their leopard tank uh, and various other things. There was a um, wings of a fowl that he claims is France. There was a Franco-German alliance, and he's got teachings on all this, but – the interesting thing was that's his conclusion as well that the Fourth Reich would be Germany rising to power again, um, taking the lead uh, of the European Union. And as we see it today, you know Angela Merkel is very powerful in, in what's going on in Europe, very much in uh, in charge, um, and Germany's just making their prominence known now when all the other countries are basically going bankrupt and. Borrowing money from Germany. Germany's loaning out money, and the borrower is servant to the lender, as the Bible teaches. So we're seeing the resurgence of, of German, German prominence and superiority uh, in, in, you know, even with Brexit and different countries leaving. Um, Nigel Farage and Marie Le Pen from France, you've got nationalist movements um, fighting against. Uh, the the globalist takeover, and uh, I just hope Trump hasn't uh, hasn't been co-opted, hasn't had his life threatened to the point where he's cracked. But I just there's too many things happening that uh, prophecy is going to be fulfilled one way or the other in the very near future. Uh, that's uh, that's very true. Um, so what I said earlier was a uh, quote from. Uh, Christoph Friedrich from the uh, author of the book called UFOs, Nazi Secret Weapon. And uh, this article is from the National Examiner, uh, January 26, 1988. And Christoph Friedrich said that uh, Hitler's so-called last battalion will spring into action with a worldwide economic collapse then the saucer Nazis will invade strategic military areas and rule the world. And also, um, it is obvious that Hitler got all of his technology and uh, he 
was able to build these flying saucers with the help of, of uh, demonic um, influence. Um, yeah, the occult. The yeah, exactly. And the um, Nazi scientist Hermann Oberth was quoted saying that they got their technology from the people of other worlds. And of course, he probably didn't understand that these people weren't from other worlds. They were from another dimension. In other words, they were uh, demons and fallen angels. And so they didn't just come up with this technology because they were so smart. They were basically given it. Yeah, um, and I think that's I think that's probably pretty accurate. I just uh, there's a reason that God forbids you know going to mediums um, like what Saul went and sought out a medium because the spirit of God had left him in the Old Testament. Talk about King Saul before King David, and um, the the medium accurately well it actually brought Samuel back, but basically predicted his, his demise and um, it's it's been a while since I read that uh, passage but I mean basically God forbids God says stay away from it and there's a reason for it it's it's not for us to know the, the evil things of this world we are to be pure we are to be innocent and um, from what I understand in these occultic rituals there there's a there's a, a deal that you make with the devil and, and Jesus even had this opportunity he was tempted by the devil bow down and worshiping all these kingdoms of the earth will be yours um, the devil still makes those deals with the rich and powerful today um, or, or has with Very them in the true. past and it's there's always sacrifice there's always horrible hideous evil that is, is hand in glove with it you know the prophets of Baal would be sacrificing kids and we've got this this holocaust of the abortion situation, you know, with the whole uh, pro-choice movement. We're, we're doing the ritualistic sacrifices against God and killing, you know, children, which, I mean, we're only bringing God's wrath upon ourselves. You know, any and all forms of evil need to be avoided, and that's just one example of it is, is listening to demons and listening to the appetites of demons, which... Steve Quayle would always talk about is where cannibalism comes from. Exactly. And the word cannibalism uh, means the priests of Baal in the land, in the land of Canaan. And so it goes back to um, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, it's, it's totally demonic. I mean, it's not uh, good at all. And uh, we as Christians need to stand for virtue, stand for righteousness, submit ourselves to God, you know, draw near to God and he will draw near to us. And, you know, even in these evil times, even when the rise of the Antichrist seems inevitable, even when the mark of the beast seems like it's creeping in every clo- closer and closer every day, they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. So hopefully through this radio program, and through various YouTube outlets like Indigo 7, we should be able to instruct many with the truth for whoever will listen. Uh, and another, another verse in Revelation, and they overcame him, the Antichrist, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and the part that's often left off, and they loved not their lives to the death. 
you know, and God, God says, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my father in heaven. So hold fast your, your confidence uh, and boasting firm and steadfast until the end, Hebrews three fourteen. You know, we can't just, we can't deny Christ. You know, as the days get evil, our light shines brighter. We are a city on a hill. We cannot be hidden. You can't hide uh, behind, you know, the mask of, well, I just don't want to get involved. I don't want to rock the boat. You are a lighthouse. You are a city on a hill. You are the salt of the earth. Don't lose your savor, as uh, as Coach was telling us. You know, we're salt. We're a light. You know, we, we can't throw out. We can't be tasteless as salt. We're going to have some flavor. So get out there and just and do something, anything. Just start the boat moving. A professor from college would always tell us, like, and I didn't understand the analogy then. He says you can't steer um, a sailboat that's sitting still. You got to throw the sails up and start going a direction, even if it's the wrong direction. Just be willing and ready to listen to turn and go the direction that the Spirit of God tells you to go. But if you don't throw those sails up and start sailing somewhere you're never going to be able to turn your boat. You won't know which way to go. you got to go somewhere. you got to just start moving with what you got and be humble, be teachable, and, uh, and, and verify everything you hear with the Word of God. If it doesn't align up with Scripture, you say, you know what, I'm not going to swallow that. I'm going to let Jesus' words guide everything that I do. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit that's in me show me the next step because I don't feel peace about you know, decision X. And even though it doesn't make sense, I feel total peace about the decision why. So just be willing and ready and listen to the Holy Spirit, and I think that uh, God will work all things out. That really is a good analogy. Uh, I've never heard that before. Uh, That really is good. Uh, And uh, um, another thing that I just just learned here is that – Jared Kushner, uh, who is Ivanka Trump's husband and who is part of the um, uh, White House cabinet or Trump's cabinet, um, apparently his number one business partner is George Soros. And we know that uh, Kushner is a uh, super liberal Democrat and uh, he has been influencing um, the uh, decision making in the executive branch and uh, Trump is in a very bad spot to where he can't fire him because he is his son-in-law and so this this isn't very good yeah know. that's the problem with uh, having family in politics <laughs> you don't want to burn your, your son-in-law but at the same time if he's uh not true blue, then we really need to we need to re, we really need to keep the neocons and the people that want to go to war constantly, the military industrial complex out of the decision making process because if all they see is dollar signs, then wars always looks like a good thing. If they don't see the, the casualties and lost life, um, and they don't have a heart for that, they shouldn't be in office. You know, they shouldn't be making decisions that affect lives. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's it's not good. Um, another thing is um, this whole situation with with uh, North Korea. So we know that North Korea recently did a um, a test um, a missile launch 
toward Japan, which um, landed close to Japan in the ocean. And uh, I just learned recently that the only reason that that uh, North Korea hasn't actually hit Japan with these with these uh, missiles is because of uh, the United States uh, cyber warfare that's being done on their um, on their uh, missile uh, plant or their missile launching uh, station or whatever. It's actually um, causing malfunctions on these things to where they can't reach Japan. And um, and also, uh, Trump has talked to China and tried to get them to uh, calm down North, North Korea or take care of the situation somehow. And of course, um, China won't do anything about it because they are... Um, they are basically the controllers of North Korea because apparently North Korea is a puppet state of China. And, um, and of course, we have U.S. troops in South Korea, and we've been training with South Korean troops to possibly attack North Korea. And uh, like Alex Jones has talked about, we even have uh, space weapons that we could use on them. And also... There's been news that uh, perhaps the U.S. military is planning on a um, assassination uh, on Kim Jong Un instead of an absolute uh, all-out invasion or a nuclear strike. Uh, so, what do you think about the whole North Korea situation? You're really putting me on the spot here. <laughs> um, I've, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I know basic, uh, basically what's going on in the region, but as far as the past week, um, I've kind of been with my head in the book and just really working on YouTube. But um, as far as what's going on, you mentioned China, uh, and North Korea is a puppet of China. The Chinese have basically developed, from what I understand, their weapon system to be able to counter the United States uh, in uh, weapon systems. Basically, they focus on their ability to neutralize and destroy satellites. So if we have you know, an advanced satellite system where we can drop secret, top secret bombs you know, from our satellites that you know, might have these you know, rod of God type things, and I've seen videos about chemical explosions in China that people claim was rod of God. Uh, China's basically been developing counters to our military superiority in the United States. And we only have a limited number of aircraft carriers. Last I saw, it was, I think, 13 uh, aircraft carriers. And China's been developing a, a double penetration missile that effectively one missile explodes twice, so it penetrates the exterior hull, and then without stopping, penetrates the next layer and causes the nuclear cores in these things to melt down. Um, so it, it's not a war that we want. And I know a lot of... Uh, uh, Special forces and American military are going to say we've got military superiority, but either way, it's going to hurt. We do not want World War III. We do not want North Korea spinning out of control. And uh, ultimately, with what's going on in North Korea and the South China Sea, I really think that we're so close to biblical prophecy being fulfilled. I think we're on the verge of the sixth trumpet happening, honestly, which talks about the four angels bound in the river Euphrates. For an hour and a day and a month a year to 
Portisley, a third part of men. And, uh, you know, you look at Syria, Iraq, um, and on down the way that the Euphrates River travels, you've got war all up and down there. And I think that we're just staring down the gun barrel of World War III, and God's given us a reprieve, I think, as a nation with with someone who's not as open on uh, uh, intentionally evil as Hillary to as a nation come to repentance, turn ourselves back to God and humble ourselves before the Lord so that we don't receive the judgment. I am praising, praying that we are going to be like Nineveh where Jonah was sent to Nineveh and he, he resisted at first. He's the story, the guy that got swallowed by a big fish, the whale, whatever you want to call it, got spit up on dry land he goes and preaches to these guys, probably smelling pretty awful, and telling them about how God just kept them alive for three days in the belly of a fish. And they repented, and their judgment didn't happen for, I think it was another 100 years before, you know, that, that entire generation was spared, basically. And I'm praying that, that we have that in America, that we as Americans, we as Christians, don't sit idly by. We speak up, we preach the gospel, we show the love of God, but we also talk about his, his um, justice. And uh, that has to do with his, him judging nations. So we've got to repent of all the big ten, you know, all the top ten, uh, ten commandments that, that God's got on our hearts. Write the law of God on your heart. Seek the Lord. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Get baptized. You know, follow Jesus because we are given a very brief window, I believe, to as a nation repent, repent. whether it's six months, whether it's four years, whether it's eight years. You know, I I don't think that we have that much time. Um, and uh, one of these days I'd like to maybe come back. We can talk about some of the dreams and visions that God's given me because um, I've had dreams of nuclear bombs exploding in the United States. And these were unprompted. It wasn't like I was watching Terminator 2 and then I had this dream about nuclear war. It was, you know, just something that God showed me on a couple occasions. So, um, you know, maybe we can do a program on that sometime. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be really good. Um, also, um, another thing that I recently learned from listening to Rick Wiles is apparently, and I'll have to look into this more and talk about it on another show, but apparently um, somebody told Rick Wiles that they were, um, they had been um, somehow found out about some secret documents that the Chinese had where uh, apparently China is planning on invading the U.S. Uh, during the year 2020. And uh, Rick Weil seems to have a very uneasy feeling about the the year 2020. So I can confirm can that. Really Those numbers have, have come up before in my, in my spirit as well. I don't know about war, but... Um, yeah, I, I definitely and, – and, and what do you say? It's just like God puts his finger on it. You don't know what exactly, but something might be happening on 2020. And maybe it's just coincidence with the with the way that the numbers align. I mean, some things just look um, symmetrical, you know, like the year 2002, you know, um, the year of the pound drum, red forward and backwards. And 2020 is obviously, uh, again, a repeat of that, the two and the two being a very heavily symbolic, you know, Freemasons, or uh, it's basically it's in the occult. They they love the numbers 11, 22, and 33. You know the, the duplicates there, and um, you know 
Jeroboam from the Old Testament, I believe. He was an evil king in Israel, and he reigned for 22 years. So there's a lot of symbology of the number 22 that's just negative, evil, and has to do with the wrath of God rather than God's mercy and, and uh, grace. Yeah, very true. And also, um, I just totally lost my train of thought. All right. Twenty twenty. We're talking about twenty twenty. Yeah. Perfect um, vision. Yeah. I don't know. I totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, No, it's not your fault. It's totally my fault. Um. Yeah, anyways, so, um, oh, that's what I was going to say. All right. I don't know why I have such a problem remembering stuff that I'm about to say. Something's totally wrong with me. But anyways, what I was going to say is one thing that my dad keeps reminding me is uh, through the years, you know, we always see see these warning signs. We always see these bad things happening. And we always see these events on on the horizon, like World War III. And uh, uh, last year, I had um, something I was really worried about. It was, well, actually, I'm not sure if it was 26. I think it was back in 2015. I can't remember. But it was uh, September 23rd was a date that everybody was really worried about a year or two ago. And I really thought that everything was going to hit the fan on September 23rd, and there was this news about an uh, incoming asteroid, and and uh, people were talking about the uh, um, some of these apocalyptic movies. I can't remember the name of, of this one movie that about, uh, uh, I think it was, it was Deep Impact uh, of an asteroid hitting. And uh, But anyway, so we see all these signs, and no man knows the day or the hour, but only the Father, not even Jesus knows. Um, but we do know the times and the seasons. And anybody that can deny the time and the season that we're in and try to say that we're not in the end times does not know what they're talking about. We know we're in the end times, but the thing of it is is that Jesus said there will be wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. So we don't know really when World War III is going to start. It it could still be a few more years, I really hope. But my point is, is that no matter what happens, no matter how bad things are looking, unless God clearly tells you to pack up and go and head for the hills or go and hide out in another country or whatever he tells you, if God doesn't tell you to do that, then you can't let your own um, emotions get the best of you. And you can't let fear get a hold of you and stop you from doing God's will. Because like I heard Rich Wiles say last time I uh, listened to him, and it was really encouraging. He said there will still be people um, serving the Lord, and there will still be people preaching the gospel up until the last day before Jesus comes back. Or I think more a more accurate thing to say would be up until the last day before the tribulation. 
and um, he said that there will still be there will be uh, new pastors preaching their very first sermon right before um, Jesus comes back. So, or right before the tribulation begins. Um, but that's the thing. We no matter what happens, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep uh, fighting the good fight and. Uh, you know, not not let this stuff scare us. That's the main thing. Because if you let this stuff scare you, then the enemy's already won. Yeah, so many times in the Old Testament, Joshua, before he went into the promised land, always told, "Be not afraid. Do not be afraid." And um, you know, I think I think we need to keep the main thing. The main thing. If it's not a salvation issue. Christians shouldn't be up in arms over it. The pre-trib, post-trib um, teachings, you know, you've got excellent, you know, God-spirit-filled pastors on both sides of, of the pre-trib, post-trib. And, uh, and I think the, the good conclusion is study the Bible. See what you say. See what the Lord says. Um, the, the only, and I'm, uh, I believe that the second coming and Jesus' return is uh, the same event. Um, the rapture and the second coming of the same event at the end of the tribulation. So that's just my position on it. But I think that the dangerous thing for the pre-tribbers is simply this. Don't be so dogmatic in your beliefs that when the mark of the beast comes, that you say, well, this can't possibly be the mark of the beast because the church isn't going to be here. So whether the position on that side is correct or the position that I would take is correct. Don't be taken off guard. If you you you're going to see the Antichrist, or main events and the things that are happening that are prophesied in the Bible happening. Don't take any mark, chip, anything on your body. Don't swear allegiance to any one world government or one man system. Um, we, we are to give our allegiance to Jesus and Jesus only. So. I think just keeping Christ the center and focusing on issues that are not um, only the only reason Christians should have any kind of a disagreement, and that should be on the Word of God with regards to salvation. So, I mean, that being said, I think it's a, it's a tremendous time to be in unity, and we need to stop the divide and conquer that is happening within the church. Um, you know, because we all see through a glass darkly. We're, we don't have the whole picture. So, just in, in the in, in keeping things peaceful and loving, keep Jesus first and just focus on loving people and serving God to the best of your ability because that's what we're going to be judged on, on on the last day. Amen, amen. Well, um, I'm going to wrap up the show here. Um, so, um, you know, you can... Uh, uh, well, I was going to say, if, if you'd like to, yeah, um, I, I, I but, appreciate uh, you having me on the show. It's it's been awesome. I'm super glad to to be able to be on your show. And even you, you and I have been talking about it for a long time, and it took me a while to overcome my, you know, my reservations. And um, but yeah, feel free to check out uh, Indigo Seven I N D I G O, then the number seven. It's on YouTube, and uh, subscribe and check out some of the videos I got going on. And um, you know, I'll be in touch. So hopefully, I'll talk to you some more. And, God bless. 
All right. God bless you. Thanks, Dakota. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, all right. So, uh, gonna finish up the show here. Um, got a few Bible verses. Uh, Isaiah 17, verse 1 The burden of Damascus. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city, and it shall be a ruinous heap. Now, if you uh, look up a YouTube video of what Damascus looks like right now, you can see it is pretty much a ruinous heap. Um, so this prophecy is being fulfilled in our day. And uh, another verse here I wanted to read. Um, Revelation chapter 19. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant. And of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon the white horses. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and then worship his image. 
These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Amen. So the conclusion is, is that despite all of this evil, despite all of this wickedness, all of this horror, all of this destruction that is to come, in the end, Jesus wins. And if you are found in him, then to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And you will spend eternity with him. So that's it for tonight's show. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. And as always, finish out the song.
And it's not by power not by your own might But it's by my spirit Says the Lord upon the Lord shall be saved. Sometimes when you just don't have the right words.